0: Good morning, good morning. Well, we have been doing a a series on all things new, which is very apt following Easter, where we celebrated um, the death and resurrection of Jesus, the fact that we now get to live in this new kingdom, this new life, and we've been given many new things. Um, Some of those things that we've been talking about, we start with Jesus, and when we press our lives into Jesus, we find ourselves being shifted into a new framework of looking at life, and so we find that we are now operating under a different kingdom, which is one of freedom and life, and we find that the father of that kingdom is a good father. He's the king of the kingdom, um, and he is good, and so we find ourselves with a new father and we find ourselves with a new life. That's the very life that Jesus gives us, that heavenly rebirth of our lives into something new that brings us freedom and joy and puts us in a, in a, on a track that is what we were created to do. And finally, because we're in a new kingdom, we find ourselves with new family members. We get instant family, um, which is our brothers and sisters in Jesus. All things new. And, and to work through the newness principles, we're actually talking about vineyard values. Now, Kirk has taken us through uh, two of them so far. We've looked at Christ-likeness at the vineyard. We value Christ-likeness. I leave the old me for the new me that Jesus has created, and that new me looks more and more like Jesus. And the other value has been discipleship. So that is the idea that we become apprentices of Jesus, that we actually start to learn to study under Jesus and and under his training and teaching, we learn about this new kingdom and we become like Jesus as his disciples. Today we're going to continue that theme of really pressing into Jesus and following as we look at the value of the pursuit of God. At Pine River's Vineyard and in the broader vineyard, we are a people of Jesus who value the pursuit of God. We value hungering after the presence of God to hear his voice and to follow hard after him. Now there are some books that will have influenced what you're going to hear today. And I just want to just mention them because one of these is a gem. It's an old book, but it's in our church library. It's called The Pursuit of God (laughs) and it's by A.W. Tozer. The other one is a book by Ruth Haley Barton called Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. And the other one is this black book. This has been a bestseller globally. And it's really a must-have if you're wanting to look at the pursuit of God. It's called the Holy Bible, and um, I would really recommend it. I'm going to start, actually, with some Bible. How about I start with some Bible? Let's go to Psalm 63. So if you have a Bible, open it up, Psalm 63. Or if you've got an app, or wherever you find Psalm 63, I'm going to read it out. This is a picture of what the pursuit of God could look like. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself how i praise you i will praise you as long as i live lifting up my hands to you in prayer you satisfy me more than the richest feast i will praise you with songs of joy i lie awake thinking of you meditating on you night through the night because you are my helper i sing for joy in the shadow of your wings I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. But those plotting to destroy me will come to ruin. They will go down into the depths of the earth. They will die by the sword and become the food of jackals. Go, David. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear to tell the truth will praise him while liars will be silenced. So, this value of the pursuit of God means we hunger after the presence of God, which is kind of what David was doing in that psalm. Let's just stop and take a look at what happens in the presence of God. We saw, and we have been seeing over the last few weeks at Pine River's Vineyard, the presence of God active and moving. Last Sunday, here's what it looked like. We did some worship, as we normally do. Now... The worship lately, led by Neil, Simone, Trent, has been particularly anointed lately. But last week, if we're focusing on last week, Trent was leading worship. And I don't know if you would have noticed, but at one point he got a little choked up. And um, that's not really normal (laughs) Trent. He got choked up and he couldn't even sing. And that's because the presence of God was moving him physically and in his emotions in a way that he doesn't normally feel things. I was sitting in the chairs worshipping and really just enjoying being in the presence of God. Or let's just call it, let's call it worshipping God. And there was a moment where I just felt like I just needed to stop singing because there was a peace that I was feeling, just getting more and more, that I just wanted to sit in that peace. And as I stopped singing, my heart didn't stop worshipping. I was having communion with Jesus. I was having conversations with Jesus in my heart at that time. That's because the presence of God had come in peace over me. Then we had some prophetic reading of Scripture. Now, what's so interesting, why I say prophetic, is because it was someone who was a relative newcomer to our church, doesn't, isn't sort of involved in the whole history of the church, and yet he brought a passage of Scripture that is particularly significant and meaningful to this church. On a particularly significant day, and so it indicated that God was using his people to bring a message to us here as we sat. He was amongst us. And that message spurred us on to say, listen, because this is the, this is the scripture I've used when I've done strategic things in this, in this church before. And so Kirk hopped onto that and he invited us to reposture ourselves in the light of what God was showing us because his presence was here, reposture ourselves to what the work of God was in that moment, to an openness to God for the expansion of what he was doing, to see a little more of what he was doing. And so many of us responded to that invitation that we wanted to be stretched by God in his expanding move and work around here And then Kirk spoke after that. But before that, Jake prayed for him and Jake asked the Holy Spirit to come on Kirk. Later, Kirk reported that he just felt wave after wave of the Holy Spirit before he spoke. And then on that, in the presence of God, with the presence of God coming on him, he spoke and the words he spoke were breathed on by the Holy Spirit, so they brought us to life. And so we responded after he spoke in um, in a very big way afterwards, where we said, yes, we want to be disciples of God. And so we came forward, many of us came forward um, to respond to the call to believe, obey, do, grow, duplicate, to be the disciples of Jesus. That's... The presence of God, that's not just mechanical things that we're doing. That's God moving amongst us. So what happens in his presence? In the presence of God, we experience his spirit and we're reminded that he is in us and we are in him. And the renewing work of his presence starts to call us into more and more of our identity. In his presence, God enlarges our vision. We start to realize that we have wide open space in him and he opens that. He sometimes brings us to a threshold of saying, look, I want to show you the more. Will you step into it? Will you go bigger and deeper? And in his presence, impurities are burned away. This is how that works. There are things in us and amongst us that cannot sit comfortably in the presence of God. And so when the presence of God comes, there is spiritual confrontation because there are things that have to shift and move and get out of the presence of God because they don't belong there. And so we might even find in the presence of God that we become restless or we become uncomfortable. And that can be a call and an invitation to deliverance. And so in the presence of God, we often see deliverance. All that to say, in his presence, things become new. But the presence of God is not only for special occasions or Sundays. The presence of God is actually something we can experience every day because our Father is near, he cannot be nearer. As we exercise our pursuit of God, we can learn to see him anywhere. We don't need equipment to see the, the kingdom of God. We don't have to put on a special robe. We don't have to have a special Bible. We can be anywhere. We can be miles away from home. We could be on a sickbed. It doesn't matter where we are. Our father could not be nearer. We could be in any posture. We could be sitting on a train. We could be kneeling in reverence. Or we could be standing in a queue. Our Father could not be nearer. And it can be any time. It doesn't have to be Easter time or Sunday time. Sunday mornings. It can be today. It can be tomorrow. It can be the next day. We can be watching for the Father in every moment of our lives and seeking his presence if we're pursuing him. Because pursuing him means knowing his nearness and following him then when we see what he's doing. Now just understand that when we talk about pursuing God, we need to know that God actually pursued us first. So he's actually done everything we need to be in relationship with him. Um, we didn't always have the nearness to him that we have right now. We once did have a dislocated relationship. We'd, once upon a time, we would have had to go through various rituals to be in the place where we could commune with God. We would have had to maybe do some cleansing and some sacrifices, and we would have had to go to a temple, and we would have had to um, have a priest involved in making us ready and right to meet God. So it wasn't always the case that he was near, as near as he is today. But Jesus has sorted that all out, and that's what we celebrated at Easter And so now because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, we now can be so near to him at any time of our day and in anything we're doing. This is not a one-way pursuit. As we pursue him, we realize that actually he's always been calling us. There's that song of Solomon, come away with me, come away with me, my love. That's Jesus that's God calling to us His voice is speaking and calling us all the time and we will be successful in finding him if we if we listen to that voice and search for it because we were in fact made to be in relationship with him it's what we're destined for so if we pursue God we will be successful we will be successful because we were created to enjoy His presence with Him. I love what Tozer said in his book. This is a quote. Being made in His image, we have within us the capacity to know Him. In our sins, we lack only the power. The moment the Spirit has quickened us to life in regeneration, our whole being senses its kinship to God And leaps up in joyous recognition. That is the heavenly birth, without which we cannot see the kingdom of God. It is, however, not an end, but an inception. For now begins the glorious pursuit, the heart's happy exploration of the infinite riches of the Godhead. That's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is where we begin, I say. But where we stop, no man has yet discovered. (laughs) For there is in the awful and mysterious depths of the triune God neither limit nor end. Don't you love that? So this is a journey, and we're learning to pursue God, and it's a never-ending journey. There is always more of him. Something that I found really helpful is to understand that a journey has stages and that we are somewhere in a stage on the journey. So I'm going to use something from Ruth Haley Barton about the stages of our spiritual journey just to work out how do we pursue God wherever we find ourselves. So the first stage is probably no one here. It's basically before we even have any understanding of God or spirituality and we just have a restlessness in us. Something's not right and we just can't settle. And maybe you know people like this. They don't know what's not right but they just know something's not right. Let me tell you that that is God pursuing us and so... What he's doing in his pursuit is poke, 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 wake up, oh, you sleeper. And that's what that phase is all about. And our pursuit of him in that is to pay attention to that restlessness. Then we move on to an awareness. Sorry, not that one. The awareness is just when we start to experience a longing in ourselves, for something more, for something better. But we don't quite know what it is. And so, but we do know that we can't ignore that anymore and we can't hide from it anymore because it's becoming too big in our lives. Let me tell you that that is God pursuing us. Where that might come into play, it might be that we stand and look at a night sky and we see the stars, you could stand and look at stars, but when God is revealing himself to you, what you see is you look at the stars and you go, I am so small, the universe is so big, who am I to think that I could do anything in this world? There must be someone out there. That's God's revelation. Or it could just be a sense of a vast emptiness inside. Everything is just so empty. I'm just so empty all the time. There must be more. Or it could even be that a person in the stage has had a spiritual encounter that they can't explain. A flash of light or they've seen supernatural healing or they've seen something supernatural and they just don't, they can't explain it. And it's easy to just push it away and go, there must be an explanation. But then in the awareness stages, there must there must be an explanation. So God is revealing himself to us in this stage. And our pursuit in this stage, what it looks like is, it's time to look reality in the face. So can you see the, the man over there? I don't, you can't really see what that... It's a man floating with his face so that he can breathe. And then he is saying, I'm trying to believe. And underneath him, there's a big, big whale. And so, and there's also, I think there's a, another little shark thingy there. But anyway, <clears throat> the, the thing is, there is a reality there. He knows there's a reality there. There's no, He knows there's some truth that he needs to look at. But all he needs to do is stick his face under the water so that he can see what's really going on. And in that pursuit of ours, when we're pursuing God... We need to let God show us what he's really like. We need to look at God and seek the truth that he is there and that, that his presence is there. Now, in this phase, we may need to ask someone to help us because we may, not know, we may not know how to get into the presence of God or how to even seek that. So we may need to ask someone Um, to help us. And just an aside, a small group is a wonderful way of getting help to go into the presence of God, just saying. Psalm 63 says, this is probably where the awareness person would be be speaking, my soul thirsts for you, my whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. So we move on from our awareness stage into maybe seeking a little bit more, and we start to get our, we start to dabble, like get our toes in the water, and we start to dabble with the things of God, and you know what, where we may find ourselves is in chaos. We might find complete messiness because what we learn is that we have divided loyalties so we learn that while my life is here right now I actually see that thing over there and I want that but actually I'm when I'm talking about who I'm going to be loyal to it's going to be this person but then Jesus is offering that over there and I actually want to be there and so we find ourselves torn in this chaos that Jesus is bringing into our lives because we want something, that longing is there, but we're not quite sure if we want to embrace the change. And in fact, it has to get to the point where it's too painful to stay where we are, so that the best thing for us is to move on to the other thing that God is inviting us into. And it might be that Well, the pursuit of God here would look like him giving you dreams, dreams of what it could be like. He's starting to say, well, if you just come this way, you could be a whole new person. I could give you a transformed self. If you just follow me, I can give you a new way about of going about life because the one you're doing, is it working for you? Or I could just give you a new way to think about things. Or I could give you a new set of friends. I could give you a new purpose. I could give you a new authority speaking into your life that's going to speak life and goodness. And so we, the pursuit of God for us is is helping us to dream about where he's taking us. Now, this is usually our salvation point. This is the the point where people come to meet Jesus and they've got to really decide, am I going to follow Jesus or not? But for those of us who have been walking with Jesus, this could be a, a cycle that we come back to. So this could just be a time in your life where you come to that crisis of belief, where you kind of go, "I know there's more, but 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 I'm torn because I don't know if I can believe that." So yes, so it's not only those who are just coming to Jesus, but what our pursuit looks like at the turning point. Is a call to risk in faith. Faith is where we step out and we kind of make that decision to choose Jesus over any other competitor. And we take that step to follow him. That's what pursuit looks like if you're in the chaos. Now, my story, I'll tell you a little story that, because it's very current in my life, recently. Um, there were changes in my workplace and it all got a bit messy and I had to decide whether I needed to stay or go. Now I always, well the messiness was very uncomfortable to work in um, and I always like to pay attention to discomfort. What are you doing here God? Would it be more honouring for me to stay in the mess and you know I have had a great team and um, It would be like, you know, we'll be in it together. We'll just, you know, we'll weather it together and I'll be there for them and we'll um, make the best of a bad situation. And God could do amazing things through that. Or, God, are you just giving me a nudge here and saying there's new things that you're calling me on to? And do you want me to join you in that? And let me tell you, at the time I was dreaming <laughs> about how it could be different. Oh God, that sounds like a nice option. Well, <clears throat> while this was happening, we took Trent and I took planned three weeks' leave, and I asked God in the week that I returned from that, to give me clarity, um, because everything had kicked off in the workplace at that point. By the end of that week, I had I was very sure of my answer because every day that week, a new insight had surfaced as to how this workplace was now going to operate. And the clincher was that about 90% of my team had decided that they wanted to look for other jobs. So I wasn't really even gonna have much of a team to stay and support. And so um, I knew that I needed to go. The answer was go. But here's where the rubber of the turning point hit the road is that I had my answer. Yes, go. But then the question was, when? Because I didn't have another job secured. And I my way of doing things would be, I'd like to plan this. I'd like to be careful about, you know, let's do wise decisions and plan and and let's make sure we have something to go to and all that kind of stuff. But when I asked God, when should I leave? I just had this thought pop in my head and I'm trusting that that was the Lord, is he said, why keep holding on to the old when you could be embracing the new and you could be using all that time for the new things? So it, it led me to a crisis of belief because I was torn between security and knowing and planning and following God, who said now, into the, unknown future and just trusting him that's all that I would have to go on so we took that on board had conversations with my very generous and caring husband um, and we had conversations and we shuffled some things around so that we could so that I could actually stop working for a season um, in that job continue with my one day a week here at the church Um, and sit and just wait on the Lord for the next, the next vocational step, whatever that is, because what I realized is that it might not actually even be in the same profession. So had I not been pursuing God in that, the default would have been simply get another job in the same profession and just keep on keeping on in the same humdrum way. But a niggle in the workplace, submitted to God has resulted in the gift of the season I'm in right now, which is very unexpected. Which means I have time to adventure with him and to look at all sorts of dreams and possibilities that I hadn't ever thought of before. Now, I don't have answers for you today about what it is that I'm being led into, but that is the beauty. I just get to enjoy pursuing God in the season. And that's what pursuing God (laughs) means in the chaos so moving on to the next one, which is where we start to, sh- to flourish. So we have made the decision. We jumped in. We made the decision. And suddenly we experience the joy and the freedom and the love and the goodness of following God. And we move into a, a phase of just um, soaking up everything we can of him, learning everything we can of him, and probably being moved into service as well, which is just the joy of service because we love God so much, we're experiencing so much of him that we are, um, are just wanting to, it spills over into service. And so what God's pursuit of us looks like in that is that he's pouring into us freedom and joy because we're so receptive in that time. We're just enjoying him. We're receptive and he's pouring out his freedom and he can come, become almost tangible to us in that time. What our pursuit of God looks like in that time is that we seek to make the presence of God our new normal. We learn to trust in him and to rely on him in situations that we might never have thought to invite him into before. And so we move from this place of independence from him to a place of increasing Dependence on Jesus for everything, and we look to Him for everything, and we invite Him into everything, and so that expanding vision of our life in God gets bigger and bigger. Psalm 63, that the part of that that might reflect the stage is, I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. We've been there. We've had the glorious experience of that. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you and I want to praise you as long as I live. Then we move to, this will come... <laughs> To every single person following Jesus is a time of challenge and testing. It's a time where something will be thrown in our path. Sometimes God throws it there, sometimes not. But whatever it is, it is something that to continue following God in that situation would cost us. And so we actually begin to feel quite ambivalent. We start to wonder if we want to actually really stick with this journey or not. Is this worth it? Because if I'm going to go that direction, God, that's going to cost me a lot. That's going to mean I have to sacrifice something. And if that goes wrong, God, then I look like a fool. And so we have to know that God is real. We have to know that this is all worth it. God's pursuit of us in that time of testing is a challenge to work a transformation within us. He's with us in the challenge, but he's inviting us to look inward. It's an opportunity for him to display his strength and his power in our weakness. And it's an opportunity... For his refining fire to be at work in us. Now that fire, the presence of God is often described as fire. People describe the sensation of fire sometimes in the presence of God. Well, the fire of the refining presence of God is a good thing too. But it is a testing time. It is a burning time. It's a good burning But it does require us to step into something that might not be comfortable. If things were always hunky-dory for us, we would never experience the refining that these tests and challenges bring into our lives. So what does our pursuit of God look like in that stage of testing and challenge? It means that in our discomfort, we choose to believe him. We choose to believe that he is good. We choose to believe that he loves us, that he has not abandoned us. We choose to believe that if we let him have his way, we will continue in a good path. And so rather than shutting him out, because that's what the temptation will be, shutting him out, and by the way, in a testing phase, shutting other people out may also be a temptation. So we often move into attacking other people when we feel the test and the challenge, just beware of that. But if, if we, we could choose to just shut him out and say, no, that is too much, God, that is absolutely too much, and I'm not going that way, I will continue on my, th- on my way, thank you very much. Or it could mean that we run. We run far, far away and just don't deal with it and don't do anything close to what he wants. Go and do the opposite of what he wants. But if we seek God, if we pursue God in the challenge, what we say is, God, I invite your presence to minister to me in this discomfort. Show me your ways. There are a number of psalms that will express that, so you just need to go to many of the psalms. Psalm 4. Answer me when I call. Give me relief. Have mercy. Hear me. These are the ways we invite God into the challenge. How long, O Lord? Psalm 13. Will you forget me forever? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? Look on me and answer. Give light to my eyes. I trust in your unfailing love. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Let's remember, yes, he has always been good to me. Let's remember that. Psalm 22, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me. From you comes the theme of my praise. Psalm 25, in you... Lord, my God, I put my trust. Do not let me be put to shame or let my enemies triumph over me. Show me your ways. Teach me your paths. Guide me in truth. For you are my God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Your ways are loving and faithful. And he is good and he is faithful to lead us through the tests and the challenges. Until eventually, as we move along, we will get to the stage of ultimate maturity. (laughs) And uh, we will learn that we can be still. We'll learn to find that place of seeking his presence regardless of our external circumstances. So while... All things may be raging on outside. We are very aware of our external circumstances that press on us, that push us, that stress us, that, you know, give us a hard time. We're aware of that. We're even in, very in tune with the emotions that come with those. There is grief. There is anger. There is frustration. We're very aware of that. But in those moments, we choose to be still and to seek only the presence of God, to seek only the counsel of God. And it's a point at which we don't need the opinions of others. We don't have to listen to the voices of the other 10 million helpful people around us, or things, or books, or whatever. But that actually, rather than taking things into our own hands, we sit and our souls become still before God, even in the middle of danger, and we wait and we let him guide us. So his pursuit in that is he's saying, come with me into the holy of holies. Come with me right into that most intimate place with me. And let's enjoy each other. Come and seek me above all things and you will find an enjoyment of me that surpasses any human experience. So our pursuit of God in that phase is just keeping our gaze, the gaze of our souls intently upon him and learning to see and gaze upon him and look to him only in any circumstance and not being swayed by all the things outside and around us. God is at the fixed centre of creation. He is the fixed centre of creation. He is the constant that we can use to navigate ourselves through life and to move in the direction that we were really created to move in. And that is to be in loving relationship with him, enjoying his presence and moving with him. To be in his presence means that we know that there's always more of him to know and love and then we join him. I'll just end with this quote. This is from Nicholas of Cusa who was a German thinker, very influential as the Renaissance came in. But I just love what he says. I've just interpreted it from old, old English to <laughs> something a bit more modern. But he says, when all my endeavor, which is our striving, is turned towards you, because all your endeavor is turned towards me, what is my life without that embrace in which your delightful sweetness lovingly enfolds me? So, Jesus, what is our lives without your loving embrace? Calm, Holy Spirit. <laughs> the rain. Ah. Jesus, would you increase in us? that hunger and that thirst to just chase you, to pursue you. Even now, God, would you increase a desire in us to be in your presence, to seek after it. Not just for now, Jesus, but just even as we go into the week ahead. Open our eyes and our ears to see your presence, to hear where you're speaking. And this morning, as we were praying, we were saying there's often a fragrance that comes with the presence of God. So God, open our noses to smell you. (laughs) <laughs> to have that sweet communion, that sweet fragrance. I actually think, I think some of you might experience that this week. Just going to throw it out there. Some of you might experience a, a very sweet fragrance coming to you out of nowhere during the week ahead. Stop. Pay attention. It's the presence of God calling you to, to listen, to enjoy him. Come, Lord, show us what you want us to to do here. I just love how, God, you pursue us first and you know our human frailties, you know our journey, you know that we're all at different places of being able to receive you. You know that we're... All at different places, just in our circumstances, and yet, you will meet us in every single stage we're at, Lord. We are not too hard for you. I feel like there's just there is a rain of the Holy Spirit just drifting gently down. Um, Tozer talks about a, a mist like a mist that descends on us. So Lord, let that mist of your spirit just descend on us.